Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So today I'm covering a very serious, very difficult topic. Back when I started this podcast, my very first episode I remember the intro episode, I talked about how I would talk about everything, how I would cover it all. And this is one of those tough topics, and I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't come today and talk about this topic. So if you have young children, you may want to listen to this out of earshot. And then if what I share is helpful to you, you can have age-appropriate conversations with your child or children later. And today I need to talk about gun violence in schools, how this weighs on us as parents, on our kids, our communities, and I'll give guidance about how we as parents can manage all of this beyond just how to have the talk with your kids. This is nice and it is important, so I will cover that as well. But I think most of us are looking for more than this. There's a lot of parents today 
well, as of recording this, keeping their kids home. There's a lot of parents sending their kids to school with a lot of anxiety, fear, and trepidation. Each day after a new incident, we all go through these same questions and pains, the same conversations, the same solutions are proposed. But so far, we've made very little progress. And so, as we work through this, I want to help parents and help kids navigate this, as well as give some tools and ways that I think we, as parents, as communities, can help make this problem better. So, I didn't talk about this back then, but there was a school shooting on November 14th, 2019, in the town where we used to live. We were living there at the time, actually. It was at Saugus High School. We knew the families of some of the victims who were injured and a lot of families whose kids went to that school. So I have experienced this in my own community, three deaths, including the perpetrator, and three injuries. But three deaths and three injuries, too many. Beyond the permanent loss of lives, the trauma of the loss of feeling safe amplifies out to the entire school, community, country, and sometimes beyond every time this happens. Now, as a parent, I think this is one of the hardest things to accept. Even if the statistical probability is low that our child will be a victim of a shooting and not come home alive at the end of the day, it's still too high for any parent. So first, I'm going to cover some guidance on how to talk to your kids because that is the first step. But beyond that, there are additional things you can learn about and do and talk about with your kids that aren't being talked about a lot, things you can do in your own community and school system that can actually have a really important impact on decreasing the chance of school violence with shootings in your children's schools. There is a lot of important work and research going on right now to learn more about what works and what doesn't, and so I'm gonna share that with you in case you want to get involved, it will give you some places to start. So first, we're going to talk about how to talk to your kids. First, if your kids are preschool age or below, you really don't need to start talking about this yet, but it is something to learn about and be aware of as your kids get older. But once your kids are in elementary school, it's pretty impossible to keep them from hearing about it. Now, surprisingly, when I talk to my own kids, my two younger kids had not heard about the latest shooting in Texas on Tuesday. But as I sent them back to school today, it was likely they would be hearing about it. So rather than having them hear about it from other kids, I'm glad that they heard about it from me. So it is important to have the conversations, even if you're just kind of hoping or thinking maybe they didn't hear about it. Because like anything, we don't want kids thinking it's a taboo subject when all we're really trying to do is hoping to protect them. This comes from a place of love, but having these discussions opens up a dialogue. It lets them know that if they ever experience anxiety or fear or are struggling with any tough subject, they were open and available for tough conversations. So I've seen some great advice and I've seen some terrible advice out there and here are my thoughts. Refrain from watching or listening to the news with your kids, especially with younger kids. It may bring up more stress and anxiety than is necessary, but on top of it, you cannot control the pictures, the visions, the people crying. You can't control the messages that are gonna come through from the media. So, so I would keep the messaging as controlled as you can and have it coming from you to whatever way that you can, to whatever degree you can. 
In addition to that, you might even have your kids stay off of social media for the next couple of days, especially if they have access to it on an iPad, if they have access to YouTube or TikTok, you might want to call that down for the next uh, couple of days, just so they're not seeing images that you're not aware of. So before you talk with your kids, if you're having a particularly strong reaction and a hard time with it, fear, anxiety, anger, you want to get your feelings in check. You want to get them to a place where you can keep them under wraps during the conversation with your kids. You can share your feelings to their fuller degree with your friends, your partner, your therapist, any adult at all. But with your kids, it's best to keep a very even affect. Now, I don't mean like a robot, but kids will regulate off our emotions. So we don't want to contaminate what they might be feeling in order to get to their true feelings because chances are, The kids aren't feeling nearly as much as we are as adults. So you want to be able to keep that as clean as possible so we can get to their true feelings. So we need to be neutral as we possibly can when we talk to them. Some caring, some love, some connection, but keeping it neutral. The younger the child, likely the less you will need to say. Because the truth is most kids, especially younger ones, will likely not have big feelings about it. Now, if you've taken my kids in death class on the website, you know that developmentally, kids don't start to comprehend the finality of death until closer to seven or eight. Before that, they think of it more like a cartoon where the characters pop back up and go about their schemes and plans. So you want to keep this in mind when talking to them that kids don't see death as seriously as adults do because they just don't understand it. So to start the conversation, for younger kids, you might want to start out with something like, you may be hearing people talk about this at school or when we're out and about, and I want to make sure we talk about it first before you hear too much from other people. And then you can explain in age-appropriate ways or in your own words, because you know your children best. You know the language that is best to use with them based on their age, based on their understanding, based on their emotional level or emotional maturity. You can start by asking them if they heard about the school shooting If they did, you can ask what they heard. And if they did hear about it, how are they feeling about it? If they didn't hear about it, then you want to tell them in your own words, in your own way. You want to be honest, but leave out, but be very succinct. And I know this is hard. It's hard to tell a five-year-old or even a 10-year-old that someone went into a school with a gun to hurt people. Now, this is the most benign language. You can be a little more honest as kids get a little older. But these are tough conversations. It's the toughest conversations I've had, especially the first few times with my children. Now, this may or, they may or may not ask questions. Most of them won't. And you'll gauge if this is out of wanting to avoid the topic or it was enough information and they're ready to move on. For most kids, it's going to be enough information. They're going to be ready to move on. But just so that you're prepared. If your child seems bothered but does not want to talk about it, that's okay. You don't want to force it. You're going to observe their behavior over the coming days. And you can invite them to create art, to build, to act out any scenarios with puppets or stuffed animals for any feelings they're having. Depending on their age, they could write a story. So kids are generally very resilient. And all of this will feel very foreign and not real to most of them, especially the younger they are. So our goals in the conversation are to make sure they understand you're there for them for tough conversations, number one, that you are the leader who will support them and provide the answers as best you can to tough questions throughout their childhood. Now, answer the questions they have the best that you can, 
But if they ask something you don't know or understand, it's okay to not have the answers. It's okay to answer a question with something like, I wish I had all the answers for you. But you'll learn there's a lot of things adults don't know either. As you get older, you'll find questions you want to have answers to or problems that you want to solve. At this point, most kids will be on to another subject and they'll be checked out. But at least you're giving them a heartfelt answer. And you will want to answer any questions they have without offering additional information or unnecessary details, even with older kids and teens. Answer the question they asked and nothing more. And keep it as rated G as you possibly can. The other thing we don't want to do is make promises we can't keep. And I saw this piece of advice in a newspaper column telling parents to tell their kids that they are safe and that they will keep them safe and their teachers will keep them safe. Now, in the discipline classes on the website, I talk about this very concept. Now, in this case, chances are your kids will be safe. But a lot of children are going to pick up on that lapse in logic. And what this does is undermine the trust. If you make the promise and they know you can't guarantee it, especially if you have a child who's, you know, any older than six or seven, what else do you say that they can't believe? So I talk about this in the discipline class about smaller promises, things like promising to take them somewhere the next day and what happens if something comes up and you can't take their, your child and then you just broke a promise to them. But this one in particular is a promise that a lot of kids will see through. So we want them to feel safe. We want them to know that the chances are they will be safe. So this is hard. Like sharing this reality of the world when they're so young is hard. But we also need to be fair to them and we need to be honest. We need them to know they can trust our word above and beyond anything else. That's one of the most important things. So saying, I will do everything I can to keep you safe. So as another example, some kids will ask a lot of hard questions of their parents. Most kids don't do this, but if you have one of these kids that asks these hard questions, these are where you want to be prepared. So something like, what if you get sick? Jason's mom got cancer and she's really sick. What if you get cancer? It's the same kind of type of scenario. We want to tell them, oh, I won't get cancer because we don't really know what to say. We don't know how to address it. We don't want to talk about something scary. We're afraid it will scare them if we're honest, but it doesn't address the fear. It actually teaches them we're not prepared to have a real conversation about tough subjects. Um, so we want to be honest about these tough topics. Next, I'm going to talk about more things that you can do, ways that you can talk to your kids, as well as things that you can do and you can help your kids with that can reduce gun violence in schools right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. 
gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look, and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back, here are some more things to keep in mind, some things you can talk to your kids about, some ways that you can support them with information, and some things you can do to help your children, your schools, and your community. So when I talk to my kids and I ask the question, Do you feel safe in school? Two of my kids said they felt more unsafe due to the potential of bullying, way more than any concern about gun violence. My older son and I even ended up talking about another issue he's been having with a kid at school who has been very inappropriate. It makes a lot of sexual comments. But so far, he hasn't wanted to talk to the school counselor about it due to concerns over backlash from the student. He feels certain that the student would know that it was him, my son, who had talked to the counselor about it since my son has voiced his disapproval to this student about his behavior. So understandably, most kids are far more concerned about their day-to-day feelings of safety and dealing with kids being mean, rude, intolerant, or bullying behavior because this is what they deal with day-to-day, or maybe not every day, but more frequently. Even if they aren't targeted, they see other students being targeted. But what's interesting about this is that the research conducted and also gathered by the Brookings Institute is showing commonalities among perpetrators. One of the biggest is they're reporting is that perpetrators are feeling rejected and insignificant and are often targets of bullying. The, per- the perpetrator of the Parkland shooting said, I had enough of being told I'm an idiot and a dumbass. Another 14-year-old perpetrator stated in court, I felt like I wasn't wanted by anyone, especially my mom. Now, this just breaks my heart because everyone wants to feel significant. Everyone wants to feel like they belong. It's painful for the perpetrators, and it's pain that they then spread far and wide. 
So regardless of the issue of the availability of the weapons, the pain these kids are experiencing also needs to be fixed. A lot of kids are in pain and actually never take such drastic measures. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't make life better for these children, tweens and teens, helping them deal with their pain, especially this level of pain. So getting educated about your school, your community, and what resources are available. How can you help? Where can you volunteer? What resources can you support or even create to cut down on bullying in your children's school and school district? Not just potentially counteract school shootings, but to help the environment at your child's school so that everyone feels safer day to day. Because chances are that is going to affect your children far more than the news about a shooting. Now, it's amazing what one or two parents can do if they get together and create a program and pool resources and start working with the school or with the community or the district. There's a lot we can do. And I know I'm going to look more into this in our community as well. But what programs can you volunteer for or create that support kids who need extra help, extra mental health support? Now, my kids are very lucky, and I'm sure yours are as well. Mine have two parents who are very approachable. We're open, we're nurturing. They know they can come to us anytime, and they do when they're struggling with pretty much anything. But a lot of kids do not. And I talk to my kids a lot about how other kids' homes may not be like ours when they don't understand when their peers react in certain ways. You know, this behavior is foreign to them. But if they come from a home where there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of fighting, or there's other um, addiction or other dysfunction, they're not going to be as emotionally competent. So we encourage our kids to see it as an opportunity to reach out and make an effort to understand what might be happening in that child's life, to create a bridge and to be a friend. So this is a complicated social issue, and there are so many factors. It's going to take a lot of work. If we're going to make it better, a lot of us are going to have to roll up our sleeves and pitch in. We can start at home with raising kids who are inclusive, who are tolerant, raising kids who feel valued and loved, and not just significant, but knowing themselves enough and be confident enough that they too can be that person for their peers who they can feel safe to open up to. Helping our schools create and run programs that, where inclusion is valued and where kids have support they need if they're, feeling a lot, if they're feeling lost or rejected, where they know that these programs exist, where they know where to go, they know who to talk to. If you have other interests based on your own life experiences, volunteering in any programs like domestic violence or addiction are all areas where we can make a difference for kids' lives, reduce childhood trauma, and making their home lives better. I have some great guests coming up too in the coming months who will be able to add to this conversation. With one guest, we're gonna be talking about how to raise emotionally competent kids. This gives our kids the tools to understand and share their emotions, cope better with life's ups and downs, and bounce back easier. Emotionally competent kids can also reach out for help easier. They can recognize the feelings of others to be that friend that that other child may need. And then another guest is coming on to talk about mental health for kids, some programs, some resources, and how we can support that. So that'll be a great conversation too. Also, as your kids get older, middle school and beyond, we want to teach them to recognize a potential issue and how to handle it. The first issue would be a classmate who reaches out to share their struggles or who seems like, or even who just seems like they're struggling. You want to teach your kids how to help that student get the help they need. Even if that means your child is coming to you to help advocate. My friend came and talked to me about this thing today. I have no idea how to help him. 
the same shooter that I mentioned earlier that said he felt insignificant, he had reached out to a friend, but that friend didn't know what to do, and so his plea for help went unanswered. The second concern is what to do if anyone raises a threat, talks about any plan or a piece of a plan to harm anyone at school or outside of school, to tell someone right away. In four out of five school shootings, at least one other person had knowledge of the attacker's plan but failed to report it. And 69% tell more than one person. You want to teach your kids the warning signs to look out for and what to do when they see these. These include withdrawal from friends, family, and or social media and other activities. A target of bullying, excessive irritability, chronic loneliness or social isolation, expressing thoughts of harming themselves or others, making direct threats, bragging about access to guns or weapons, recruiting accomplices or audiences, and directly expressing a threat and or a plan. Now, clearly, a lot of kids are targets of bullying, but they never resort to these means. But knowing these pieces and being able to put them together can save lives. So if you have a child who's being bullied and they're making threats, we need to take it seriously. If we have a child who's being bullied and then they also are very socially isolated, they don't have any friends, they sit alone, your child may want to report that to someone and talk about it. Go report it to the school, to the school counselors, so that they can check in on that child and see how they're doing. These kids tend to get lost. People just don't notice them. And kids don't know what to do, so they, they just ignore it. But if we can give them the knowledge and tools, then we empower them to do something about it. Lastly, if you do have a gun in your home, make sure it's safely stored. Half of all parents with a weapon incorrectly believe their children do not know where the gun is stored. Research shows that three out of four children know the location of the guns in the home. 68% of gun incidences at school were taken from the family home, a friend, or a relative. So safe storage includes securely encased, meaning a locked case, a safe, or a lockbox. Also disabled by a firearm safety device, stored in a location where only those legally allowed to operate it know where it is. Even if you feel confident your kids know how to handle firearms, you can never know about other people's kids. Because remember, one of the places that kids who perpetrate school shootings get the guns is from a friend's home. So adolescents just don't have a great capacity for decision making. It's not fully developed until 25. And so safety is just always the best policy. And then if you want to learn more about the research, the policy, and even get more involved, sandyhookpromise.org is specifically for reducing gun violence in schools and gun suicides among children. And everytown.org is for preventing gun violence in all its facets. All right, so this was a super heavy topic today, but conversations we need to be having. And I know I'll be having more conversations beyond the initial ones I've already had with my kids this morning. Since mine are older, I'll be having more discussions about recognizing those two issues that I had talked about earlier, the signs to look for in each of those, and how to handle them and get the help that the kids need. So you can follow me on the new Instagram account at Your Village Online for videos, tips, and parenting pearls of wisdom. I've been doing a lot more content over there. 
I've also finally started a second business account in preparation for a new podcast that I've been working on for a while and I've been wanting to, but had to take a break on it for a while because I had so many things coming up. It's completely different content. So this is for adults, about adults for adults. It covers social, emotional, physical, and spiritual health for adults. The tools and steps to finding our own voice, our confidence, connecting with our purpose, and the steps to becoming the person we're meant to be. So if that is potentially of any interest to you, you can check that out and follow Erin M. Royer on Instagram. And I will be starting another podcast. I'll make that announcement on there. And I will also make the announcement on here once that's up and ready to go. If you want to know more about positive discipline, self-esteem, growth mindset, and all the ways to help our kids grow up emotionally strong, happy, and healthy, I also cover the other areas of health, such as physical, intellectual, and more. You can see the classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.